Hey, hey, peacemakers, it's the Soul Coach coming at you with another episode. So sit back and let's find your peace of mind. Hey, peacemakers. So this episode is called Beyond the Uniform, and I'm going to be interviewing my battle buddy, Justin Brooks, better known as Brooks the Barber. And you're going to find out more on who he is and what he does. Um, You can kind of tell by the name of um, what I just said after his name, Brooks the Barber. Um, But just check out this episode. All right, everybody, this is Justin Brooks, Brooks the Barber, and this is his episode on Peace of Mind. So, Justin, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and let everybody know who Justin Brooks is and who is Brooks the Barber. Uh, uh, Thank you for having me on, first off. And again, like she said, my name is Justin Brooks, otherwise known as Brooks the Barber. Just a little bit about myself. Uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Currently, I'm 24 years old, and I am a active duty service member in the United States Army. I've been serving now for about five and a half years. This July will be six years. Um, stationed out in Fort Irwin, California. Uh, two deployments to my name, so I mean, nothing crazy, but that's just who I am. And obviously, Brooks the Barber is my moniker uh, on Instagram and all of the social media platforms, and what I go by uh, as a barber. Okay, so you basically bring yourself as Brooks the Barber. So, with Justin Brooks, what is your occupation um, in the military? Uh, yes, yeah, so like I said, um, uh, what I do specifically in the military is I am a 15 Whiskey, otherwise known as a Unmanned Aircraft Systems Operator, or UAS for short, otherwise known as UAV to most people. So I, I, I basically fly on an aircraft for a living. Um, and like I said, I've been doing this now for about four and a half, going on five years, just one year short of how long I've been in. Uh, two deployments, almost 1,600 hours of experience flying uh, UAVs. Okay. So what do you love the most about your military career? Uh, so I would say what I love most, uh, what's been, I think, the biggest reward for me and throughout my military career has definitely been the chance to just mentor uh, young adults. Uh, For me, like I said, the chance to have those kids, especially the ones, you know, fresh out of uh, high school, you know, fresh out of the parents' house who've never experienced anything in the real world to kind of bring them in and not only, you know, help to mold them early on as uh, professionals in, in, in in the Army, but Again, just teach them practical life skills uh, that they're going to need to know as young adults. A lot of things that I myself was not taught uh, when I first joined the Army, and I kind of had to learn the hard way, you know, from finances, you know, purchasing your first vehicle to, you know, uh, we teach practical things every day. Like, you know, we talk about safe sites, you know, we talk about just a plethora of things. And and like I said, for me, the the biggest reward has definitely been uh, being able to connect with these young men and women and establish that trust and that foundation to where, you know, they come to me uh, with these questions and with these concerns about, you know, typical everyday adult life, not just life in the Army. Yeah, and that's a big, big issue because a lot of NCOs, they don't take the time out to, like, get to know their soldiers. They're just, oh, this is your job. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you need to do and kind of, like, separate their self. It's like work, 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 and you don't get to know the personal um, side of the soldier, and that's why so many soldiers, they feel like they can't go to their chain of command because they don't have that relationship, that bond with them, um, and it's a really, um, it's a good thing that you're doing that with your soldiers, and I know they really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I said, just like you said, yeah, for me, uh, I feel like for me personally, and I can't speak on anyone else, I definitely can't speak on any other NCO in the Army. I feel like if I can't do anything else right, you know, I, I'm definitely not the fastest runner. You know, I don't, I'm not the best shooter, uh, any of that by any means. But, you know, I, I found that my niche, again, was just, like you said, connecting to young adults, connecting to those men and women, 
and really, you know, taking it a step further than just, uh, hey, this is your job, you're a soldier, this is what you do. Like you said, just really groaning, becoming a mentor, becoming somebody that they can go to when the world is crashing in or, you know, not even something so serious, just whenever they, you know, have those moments like, hey, Sarge, you know, I just finished college or, you know, I'm doing this and doing that and just showing interest and investing into that relationship that ultimately, uh, as far as the army goes, it's what's needed, you know, especially when you deploy, you know. It's, I mean, you can be as high-speed an NCO as you want. If your soldiers don't have faith and trust in you or have that bond in you, I mean, you're only as good as your, as your weakest soldier. Yeah, and another thing is not just being there for the bad things, the good things as well. Um, because some people, they might not even be close with their family or they might not have family. And so, like, your superiors and your subordinates, like, are people who you consider family. So that definitely is a good thing when you can have people around you who support you and, like, want to hear what's going on with you, uh, whether it's good or bad, to help you through things. So um, another question is, what inspired you to choose a secondary um, career path while juggling the responsibilities of active duty? Um, so about about a year ago, about a little bit more than that, about a year and a little bit more ago, I was on my second deployment in Iraq, and at the time, I was in a similar space time time-wise to where I am now as far as how much time I have left in my career. Um, I had about 18 months left at that point. I have 18 months left now because I, I extended for 13 months back in November. But anyway, so I'm over there, uh, you know, early on in the deployment, and I'm really starting to think about what the next step is going to be because, for me, um, I have realized after a certain point, you know, I wasn't going to be a 20-year soldier. You know, when I first joined, fresh out of high school, when I was 18, uh, I remember I told myself I didn't join, you know, to to do 20 years. I joined because I was a substandard student in high school. And, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just I didn't want to remain stagnant after high school. I just wanted to keep going with the crowd and keep moving forward. So I ended up joining. So I, I reach this point now um, about four, a little over four years of my career. And I realized, you know, I only had like a year and a half, two left. And like I said, I'm really trying to figure out who I am and begin to find myself. Uh, because for the longest, I was kind of in that same, I think, cliche uh, mindset that I find a lot of other service members in at this point in their career when it comes to thinking about getting out and getting out. Um, you know, I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll go to school or, you know, I'm in a very lucrative field, and I'm in aviation, you know. So uh, what I do on a deployment as a service member, I can easily make three, four, five times that by deploy as a civilian. Um, but after a while, I kind of had to stop, you know. Uh, I was really, I was really like fooling myself, like you know, like like who are you kidding, you know? I, I honestly. Uh, I really don't like my job in the military, and I think that's okay for anyone to admit. Uh, I still do it, and I, I do it to the, <laughs> you know, I, I do it to the best of my ability. But you know, I really have no passion for what I do. So I said one of the worst. Eventually, I got to the point um, that one of the worst decisions I could have made, or that I could make, is to get out and continue doing something that I had no passion in doing. Um, especially on that level where I would go take a job that was going to pay me to go overseas for six months to a year and do something that I honestly just wasn't interested in. I don't care how much they pay me. Um, so there was that. And then, like I said, outside of school, it was like, you know, everyone tells you, you know, get out, go to school, you know, utilize your benefits. And I do think that's a great, I mean, that's, that's sound advice. It's really good advice. The only thing is uh, we preach, you know, so much about getting our uh, education when we get out and even when we're in, but we don't preach about finding our passion. And that was that was my my big issue is yeah I knew that I had these benefits you know even while I'm in and I was one of those soldiers you know I didn't go to college while I was in you know I'm not in college now, um, but now that I look at it 
you know, I don't think it was so much because I was lazy and uninspired. It was I had no passion. I had no reason. I had no desire for which I needed to go to college for the longest time. Um, and so I was thinking about that as well. I was like, you know, I only have one set of benefits, you know. I want to get out. I don't want to squander them. Going to school, doing what society or what people tell you to do. Uh, but at the same time, really having no interest or passion for what I'm doing in school and, and waste all the years I've served just to, you know what I'm saying, waste even more time on something I had no interest in. And so it was really hard for me to even get to that point on both of those thinking terms, like I said, because, and I get it, I mean, that's, that's human nature, especially in this society. We are all about the dollar. We're all about finding the next biggest uh, paycheck, finding, you know, what they say today, you know, we're all about securing the bag, right? And, you know, that was really my mindset, just like a lot of other service members for the longest. But I knew behind that I wasn't following anything that I was remotely passionate about. And it really did leave, I think, a pretty big board in me. So I was I'm downrange and I'm looking at, you know, jobs A through Z every single day uh, while I'm at work, after work. Just, just exhausting, you know, uh, a tremendously long list of things that I could remotely do when I get out. And uh, I'm on Instagram one day, taking a break, and I come across one of my good friends from high school, and I see that he is back home in the city, and he's cutting hair, and I'm just mesmerized by his work, you know. I, uh, I, I really just can't say enough about the quality of it, and it just, it, it had me hooked, and then I started doing some more research. And before you know it, you know, uh, one day I woke up. I was older. I said, you know what? When I get out, I'm going to be a barber. And so pretty much from that, the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. I can I can definitely understand that we have to go through certain experiences for us to get to the next step in life. It's just like you're, you're on a – track to to running and you don't see the next you know the you know like on Mario Kart when you go and there's like you go through the little things and it has like the the next the part where you get to the next lap and you weren't there yet so you really didn't understand with barbering okay well that's exactly what I want to do um because you hadn't went through certain things to get you to that point right um but I also want to say, um, like what you were what you were saying about how service members um, about the, the cliche of everybody wants to go to school when they get out, and it's like back to the mentoring part, what you're doing with your soldiers, um, and cre- having them create a plan while they're in, rather than at the last minute when it's too late and you're like about to be out. Um, and life is just like hitting you all at once because you haven't been used to the lifestyle that you're you're you like you've been regulating on a routine and not having to worry about certain things. And then when you get to the real world, it's a whole different ball game. So that's, I'm glad that you were able to get to the point um, in such a short amount of time because 18 months, well, 13 months is a short amount of time because. My mind, even though we're in 2019 at the beginning, I'm already at the end because I'm a very futuristic person. Um, right. So. And, and I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, um, and I was also going to say, yeah, like you said, I think another big thing, um, you know, like I said, I, I, I we earlier talked about uh, mentorship as a means for helping young soldiers not to kind of create some of the same mistakes mm-hmm. that, that we did. And that was another, I think, big part that kind of helped me, I think, spark what a lot of people would probably consider, I think, a radical decision to go after something such as barbering. Um, so for me personally, um, like I said, uh, one of the I, – I call them learn lessons, like, like we talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine mistakes um, was, you know, I – I got married at the age of 20, uh, and I went through a pretty tumultuous marriage. And a big part of that, just aside from the the lack of disconnect and everything else that was pretty personal to the dynamic, uh, was that with me, 
for those two and a half years that I was married, I really saw myself, I think, miss out and lose a piece of who I felt I was supposed to be, you know, whether it be financially and definitely career-oriented. I felt like I was so, whether it was dealing with financial dealings because of my marriage or, like I said, just not having time to go and experience things, whether it be with friends, whether it be finding my hobbies and finding who I was, I sacrificed a lot of, of myself and a lot of my time and, uh, and my energy, um, committing to a pretty, a pretty, uh, toxic relationship. So when I finally got out of that marriage, which was right around the very beginning of that deployment here in 2018, last year in 2018, uh, it kind of put me just in this totally different mindset. You know, I really told myself uh, from literally the day, the day it was finalized, I was like, from here on out, uh, I'm going to be about, you know, doing whatever it is that makes me happy. I'm not here to chase money. First and foremost, I'm not here to please other people. Uh, I just took a very selfish approach. I said, whatever I do from here on out, I don't care how crazy it seems. Uh, it's going to be for my benefit. It's going to be for my happiness. And so that was another big reason why, how I ended up deciding to choose barbering and juggle that, you know, with while being on active duty. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy that once you start being, like, honest with yourself and realizing that some things you just have to do just for your own personal sanity it will make things so much easier. And once you start being honest with yourself, you can be honest with others about the decisions you make. Um, like in my last episode, my last podcast, when I was saying like um, basically doing what your heart desires and you had to get to that point where you cut off the ties of everybody else and everybody else's uh, happiness so that you can focus on yours Um because if you wouldn't have, then you wouldn't have gotten to this point where you're more happier with yourself and the decisions that you're making so that you will be happy in the long run, especially when you get out of the military. Right. So what were the particular steps that you took to start your barbering journey, um, like right after you um, spoke with your friend from back home and um, – yeah, after that conversation. Um, so, yeah, so I was deployed, and I basically told my commander to go fuck himself. No. Um, <laughs> um, no, so, you know, like I, like you said, uh, once I kind of decided that I get, I wanted to pursue barbering, um, like you said, I, yeah, I kind of reached out to my friend one night. I think it was like 2 a.m. my time over in Iraq, uh, and it was like – it was late there, too. It was late on both sides. It was a pretty late phone call. But I just kind of talked to him uh, just to let him know, first and foremost, how inspired I was by his work, how, uh, how amazing I thought his work was, and really just got his story and his journey to where he was at. And then after that, you know, pretty much whenever I found myself having some free time while I was over there, especially after I'd work, because we'd work 12-hour shifts. So I worked from, uh, what, 11 p.m. to 11 a.m., and, you know, I get off at 11 a.m., go back to my room, or I go to the cafeteria, eat, go back to my room, and I watch uh, no less than one hour of barber videos on YouTube every single day. Um, and when I was at work, you know, 12-hour shifts, at least generally nine times out of ten, uh, I would fly a six-hour mission either on the first half of the shift or the second half of the shift. So basically whatever side of that shift, I wasn't flying. I was somewhere chilling or at the gym where I was on, on YouTube watching barber videos. And I literally just started day one. I just, I didn't really pick a direction. I just went on there, you know, I said, all right, today I'm going to learn the basics of cutting, you know, uh, this kind of fade. Then I'm going to learn how to cut this kind of fade. Uh, today I'm going to study, you know, sanitation. And, you know, tomorrow I'm going to study, you know, uh, what are good materials for barbers to use? You know, what are some of the, the highly regarded brands as far as clippers or, you know, what are some of the cleaning agents that, you know, the best barbers in the business use? I really just started to educate my, myself on my free time on literally anything that came to my mind. Um, like I said, because I had 
zero experience whatsoever. You know, I wasn't, um, I hate to say fortunate, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a position where, you know, my father or my older brother or, you know, any of my uncles were professional barbers or even barbers, period, you know, who know how to cut hair. So I didn't grow up around someone who could show me, hey, you know, this is how you do this. Um, a lot of what, I learned, er, pretty much everything of what I learned, I ended up learning on my own uh, through YouTube. And like I said, that's just where I got my start once I decided to start doing it. Yeah, you basically, like you said, there wasn't anybody around you who was actually doing it, um, who was in this field besides your friend from high school. It's like your your God-given purpose for real because you're basically doing all this stuff and you're building yourself up as a barber from the ground up, and you don't know why you're doing it, but it feels good, so you're obviously going to do it. It's the right thing to do, and it's really crazy because, like, at the point that you're at right now, imagine when you actually do go ahead and go to an apprenticeship and or go to, well, and go to school or whatever. Um, it's just like, you're going to be on a whole different level, and you, you prepared yourself so much that it's, like, it's going to be mind-blowing because you're going to be doing so many, like, different things, and you're going to, be, you're going to impress so many people. Like, like I'm over here smiling because I know that I'm, I'm going to see you, like, on Instagram, on the Explore page, and it's going to be so crazy. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. You know, like I said, um, and like you, you said, for me, that has been one of the earlier points of pride um, is knowing that, you know, more or less, I have been doing everything on my own. You know, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, I said, it's been trial by fire, but, you know, for me, it hasn't every, my complete learning experience, I think I would say 99% to this point has been on my own. You know, I came home from deployment uh, summer of last year and I, I took leave and I ended up going back home to St. Louis for a couple of weeks, and while I was there, you know, I visited my boy and uh, just got some, a few more words of advice from him, and then, you know, I kind of did some researching through Instagram prior to coming home, and I actually sat down with one of the other top bars in the city and just kind of got some uh, some advice and guidance from him, you know, and I told you, I'm very hard-headed, you know, he told me, uh, you know, when I first when I was sitting down with him in the, in the talk, he said, the first thing you should start with is, you know, your basic season's cut, which is just, it's not a fade. Just take all the hair down to one level, line it up, and call it a day. He said, you know, start with those cuts. Um, I'm sitting there, you know, saying yes, not in my head, back in my mind. I have no intentions of listening to that. Uh, <laughs> so, and I just think that just speaks, I think, just to, uh, number one, I was, it was hard-headed in nature. You know, because this man's been doing what he's been doing for two decades now, so he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. But, again, you know, I was just that eager to really learn and start mastering, I think, as much as I could. And, you know, like I said, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, this whole time I have zero intention of starting there. I say, you know, I want to hop into the phase. I want to learn how to do, you know, I want to learn how to do the stuff I see everyone else doing. Um, so, you know, again, yeah, that's pretty much how I began that barber journey. All right, we're going to take a break right quick, and you're going to hear a message from our sponsors. Welcome back, and let's finish listening to this episode of Beyond the Uniform with Brooks the Barber. And it's good that you actually went ahead and, like, thought out like mentors and stuff because those people can actually help you along your journey and instead of like you being like extremely stubborn and just saying okay I'm gonna teach myself I don't care what nobody say I don't want to listen to anybody because I don't want to be like anybody else and like being too prideful like you're able to actually see other people that you know and they can guide and mentor you in the right direction so with having so many positive people like those that you spoke with, did you have any people like 
doubting you, like, or making you have second thoughts about becoming a barber? Um. So, yeah, I will say, I don't think I had anyone doubt me, but, you know, like I kind of spoke on earlier, um, in our society today, and I think this is, I, I think this is us as people worldwide, not just in the United States, um, you know, we we work in such a system to where we don't promote, I think, risk-taking and creativity uh, to the extent that we should. And so, and like I said, when I would start to tell people, I told them, you know, I would, when I was downrange over in Iraq, I would, you know, be chilling with my boys in our all time, and I start preaching to them this idea and the dream that I had. And then, you know, when I came home, I I went and I visited my mom and I told my mom and I told my dad. And, you know, from them, obviously they are always going to be supportive of whatever I do. But, you know, you know, I did, you know, I talked to my dad and he, he showed genuine concern. I don't think he showed so much doubt. You know, he asked me because I, I was adopted. And so my, my parents are are very elderly. You know, my parents were born in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And it was a different time back then. Obviously my dad, being a black man, grew up and saw, you know, uh, the staple that barbershops were in the community, but he didn't grow up in, you know, this day and age with the, the dot-com boom and the technology boom and just social media, and they didn't have that aspect of being able to market yourself instantaneously without having to leave your city or make YouTube videos and be able to make money based off of viewerships and just all these other creative ways that you can get out and connect to people and really maximize your your profits and whatever it is that you do. And so he did show dream and concern with that. You know, he, he asked me, he said, son, you know, do, do you think you can make an honest living being a barber? And, you know, I, I took no offense to it um, because I understand at the end of the day he just wants what's best for me and wants me to be okay and self-sufficient as a young man. And I just reassured him. Uh, Dad, you know, I'm a hard worker. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fully dedicated to it, and, and I think I'm going to be okay. I will say, you know, my number one biggest doubter uh, wasn't actually anyone other than myself. And I said it because, again, um, I think we all have a bit of hesitation, a bit of doubt whenever we begin something new, where, you know, whether you're, what, three, four years old and you're first learning how to ride a bike or whether you're first time learning how to swim or, uh, you know, you and I, uh, you know, I know when I could probably speak for us both, whenever you shipped off the basic training, you probably had a lot of hesitation. You probably had a lot of doubt about yeah. what you were giving yourself <laughs> into, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it's the unknown. And so it, it brings that doubt and that hesitation and those those fears. And I definitely had um, a lot of those with Barbara because, you know, I was like, I was pretty, I was pretty real with myself. I was like, you're not, it's not like you say, hey, I want to, so, you know, study journalism. So I said, no, I want to learn how to cut hair. I said, dude, you have zero fucking experience cutting hair. Uh, in your Like, the most hair you've ever cut is it, it, on your face when you're shaving. Um, so when I would look at everything I was looking at on YouTube and see how amazing all these YouTube barbers are, see how amazing my boy back home uh, is as a barber, see on Instagram all the barbers from around the country and around the world and see just all the crazy work and all the amazing cuts that they were producing, it kind of did put me in a space for, you know, a good period. It was like, man, you know, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I don't know if I had that kind of talent, which, I mean, yeah, honestly, I, I did. And, yeah, yeah. and I had to be real. I was like, Justin, you don't have that talent right now because, again, you have zero fucking experience. Um, so, yeah. For me, uh, I definitely was my biggest critic, um, my biggest doubter, and I would definitely say, uh, you know, I've been cutting hair nearly eight months now, and the doubt, the those 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 voices of doubt, you know, inside, they definitely have been toned down dramatically. Uh, I no longer doubt myself nearly as much as I used to, um, but I still, you know, have those moments where. I look at things on social media or I look at some of my own work and it kind of, you know, it could kind of bring about certain negative thoughts uh, or those second thoughts about what I'm doing. But again, I just, you know, like I said, I look at 
I'll look at something as recent as a week or two ago, and then I'll look at some work from when I first began. I'm like, all right, you have nothing to worry about, man. Like, barbering is one of those things, like anything that we do in life, but especially, you know, something like this where um, the only way you can defeat the doubt and defeat the hesitation is by going through trial and error, you know. You're, every cut, especially in the beginning, is not going to be perfect. It's not going to be how you want it, but... Uh, you know, as long as you take your time with each cut and you consistently cut hair, you don't take weeks or months off uh, because you get scared of one cut didn't come out how you want it, uh, that you're going to be fine. That's definitely true. You you started to compare yourself because you didn't know how things w- would feel um, with you actually doing them and then when you started putting everything into motion, would you positive, like, you positively uh, positively comparing yourself to the first haircut and the second haircut, it's like you're reassuring yourself of the things that you need to do um, and that, you, like, you got this. Like, it's something that I kind of, like, mentally do. Like, especially, I know I'm not a runner, but when I'm running – I consistently do that. I'm like, okay, you're almost there. You got this. You got this. It's like one of those type of things. And, like, with with anything new, everything is, like, all mental. As long as you have a positive mindset, you're going to get to where you need to be. And with you, on the other hand, like, you're stepping out, like, on faith of you knowing that this is something you're supposed to be doing. So I know that with you putting your best, foot forward, um, you shouldn't think negatively, like, about the situation, because you are, you're courageous for even, like, thinking to cut somebody's hair, and it's just so crazy, like, with your customers, like, with you explaining, like, the fact that you're just now starting, like, your barbering journey, um, how do they feel about it, and, like, with your customer service that you and you give to them and your the experience, like overall experience once they walk through your door, like without them being in a traditional setting, like a barbershop setting, like how does that how does that make them feel? Um, so when it comes to you know, giving I think that customers uh that great experience without being in a traditional barbershop barbershop setting, um, I think for me, it actually worked out, works out pretty well because when I decided or once I kind of began the journey and I kind of started to figure out who I wanted to be as a barber, um, one of the things I quickly realized was that I didn't want to be your standard, regular, uh, basic barber. You know, I wanted to be, quote, unquote, 93. You know, I wanted to be premium. Uh, I wanted to do more than just cut hair and cut hair well. I wanted to, you know, give hot towels eventually. And then I wanted to work with the straight razor eventually. And then, you know, I wanted to give uh, face scrubs eventually. And then I wanted to use, you know, I wanted to get a, I plan to get a steamer in my in my tiny barracks room and give the, uh, the paper mask or the charcoal mask, you know what I'm saying, just a full... Uh, exfoliating and grooming experience that for me I think kind of is the total embodiment of a of what a barber should be or what a good barber is. And I'm not saying that every barber should be that because you know not everyone like, holds the same values or, or views as to you know who they want to be as a barber as I do. So for me, when it comes to giving that customer service experience, that was one way that I kind of that I decided to cater to my clients and so you know now when people come in you know I give them I don't I don't even tell them I'm gonna do it you know I give them a hot towel you know or if I see you know their their face could use a scrub I give them a scrub uh I'll ask beforehand with that but you know I just do more to show them you know that this isn't uh just a a cookie cutter system like you see where I won't say a lot of barbershops I will say in the military the PX barbershop, you definitely see that system <laughs> yeah. of get them in and get them out. You know what I'm saying? And that's really 
what I didn't want to become. I really wanted to create a personal experience, an experience where the customer comes in, they don't feel like they're going to get rushed, they don't feel like it's going to be a hack job, they know they're going to be pampered. Uh, and another thing was uh, equality for me. And I say that because, again, for those who weren't listening at the beginning of the podcast, sorry to be rude, uh, you know, I am currently on a military base. So when I first started cutting, I knew that that was going to be my clientele, um, pretty much 100%. I thought I was going to cut military uh, personnel. And as my confidence began to grow, I began to, you know, make those short-term goals for myself. And one of them was that, you know, uh, by midpoint of this year, you know, I want to be cutting a significant amount of of uh, personnel on this base. You know, I kind of wanted to be the premier barber. And I also decided that I didn't want to kind of pick and choose who I cut. Like I said, I, I think a couple of weeks ago, not a couple of weeks, a little less than that, about a week, week and a half ago, I cut a young man, uh, a PV2, a private, brand new to the Army, fresh out of AIT. I literally had just got to the base not even a week ago from when he sat down in my chair. Um, and, you know, I kind of, for me, an important point is to treat that client with the same respect and attention to detail and care and professionalism that I plan on, you know, treating, you know, I reach out to my first sergeant for appointments, you know, having my first sergeant come into my shop, you know, having my battalion sergeant majors and those, those, uh, those high, high ranking commission officers. Like I, I start telling people here, you know, I'm at a place now where I feel like, you know, I have such a high confidence. I'll go talk to the commanding general, you know, the highest ranking person on post, and I'll and I'll pitch, you know, hey sir, I have a or hey ma'am, I have a barbershop here, over in these barracks. I'm part of this, you know, organization, and I would love for you to come by and get a haircut. Uh, so for me, a big part of the customer service experience, also I think, kind of developed once I really understood the importance of treating everyone the same, regardless of their rank, whether they are brand new to the Army, been in less than two years, or whether they've been in for 25 years, you know, or, you know, whether I'm cutting uh, someone who is, you know, in their mid-40s, close to 50 years old, or whether some mother or father has brought in, you know, their six or seven-year-old, to treat everyone with that same level of dignity and that attention to detail, and I think that's how I kind of enhance that great, uh, that already great customer service experience for my clients, and it shows. I definitely do appreciate it. Little do you know, like, you're already building yourself up to be, like, like if, if you had your own physical shop, like, outside of the barracks, because you're already thinking about your target audience. You're already um, appealing to those people as well. You're, you're marketing. You're making yourself searchable um, on the internet so that people can reach out to you. Like, it's so crazy that little these little things are the things that put you in a position where when you get out of the Army, you're going to be okay because you've already started taking these steps and you'll just have to reposition yourself um based on who you want your target audience to be, whether you still cut service members here or whether you um, start cutting just civilians here. Um, it's like you already have this down pack and with with the marketing, um, pitching to other people, um, letting them know about your your journey and whatnot. It's, it's a really great, great thing to hear because I didn't have – um, when I started my business and before I actually got my internship with a life coach, I didn't know anything about business. And even after I finished my internship, like I had some like ideas about what I needed to do, but everything was just trial and error for me. And it's like, I don't know if like in your next lifetime or your last lifetime, you were, you were a businessman, but you definitely already have everything under your belt. Um, so with your customer service, has there any been like any hiccups, any crazy stories, any like 
amazing story that you want to talk about? Um, so I would say I think one of the I would say I won't even say crazy, but a couple of the more embarrassing moments, and it's inevitable. I think as a young barber, um, you're gonna mess up. Um, so one of my earlier cuts when I was, I don't think even two months into it, uh, I was cutting this guy's hair and I was finishing up, um, and I was cleaning his his neck off, his lower neck, with the clippers. And like I said earlier. When I was downrange, I did a a ton of research into everything, including the type of materials I wanted to start with, you know, because for me, I found myself in a blessed position being in the military and being deployed to where I had the sufficient income to afford myself the opportunity to start with higher quality materials and, you know, essentially not have to go to Walmart and, you know, buy a pair of Conair's. A $23 contest. So, like I said, I really did invest a significant amount of money into everything that I use. I use some of the best uh, names in the brand or in the industry when it comes to my equipment. And so, my equipment is very sharp. Um, and I learned that really fast on that cut as I was cleaning his neck up. I accidentally cut the guy. And it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't crazy. There wasn't like blood going everywhere. But I necked him and it made me feel. Uh, so bad. It made me feel. It made me feel like shit. Uh, I profusely. I must apologize. Uh, a good fifty times. Like I said, I just would not let it go for the longest, and it really uh, kind of hung on me. And then most recently, um, fast forward again. You know, uh, five six months, and I'm in a space where I have. I definitely have progressed noticeably. I've gotten better. And, you know, I'm I'm cutting a young man's head. I'm cutting an, uh, an African-American's head. Uh, and for those of you who don't know or those of you who may not be, you know, black, uh, the, again, the barbershop and just haircuts, especially those who have waves, they take those things very seriously. Uh, they take the work of their barber very seriously. And I really have become, I, in my opinion, uh, really good with working with those haircuts and so I'm finishing one up just recently, and uh, I'm just going over the top, taking some of the, the taking some of the frizzy hairs off, and I'm I'm in a rhythm. I'm moving. I'm grooving. You know, I'm pretty feeling. I'm feeling pretty confident. And I guess I got a little carried away, too confident, and I just nicked him as well. I didn't cut him, but I nicked him like in a barely noticeable spot on the waves, and that also made me feel like even more because you know I hate to be. Uh, race. I don't not to be racist or to be you know what I'm saying prejudice or anything, but like I said, as a black man, I know how important the haircut is. I know how important ways are to people. So when I did that, I was like, oh, you know, that's that's my career. I'm I'm done. Especially in a place like this, um, I have since day one been very cognizant of ensuring that I, you know execute everything to a T and that I don't make any major mistakes because whenever you do, especially in this day age of social media, uh, word travels fast, especially in a place like where I'm at. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's, a, it's a small community, you know. Uh, literally, I, like we discussed yesterday, the closest town, closest McDonald's is 40 miles away. Um, so I'm in a closed community. I'm in a very small and very tight community where word about anything travels incredibly quick. And so when it comes to barbering, um, reputation, especially for me, especially in a setting like this, is absolutely everything, especially when you're just beginning out and you're trying to give yourself a chance to grow and learn and establish that that, that rapport with the community to where they give you the opportunities to continually grow. So whenever something like that has happened, you know, whether it be, uh, accidentally cutting somebody or nicking somebody's wave, um, which has only happened twice. Only happened twice. Um, <laughs> for, for me, it was just super embarrassing and super. Uh, I won't say demoralizing, but it kind of does uh, deliver a hit to your confidence, and then you kind of hope, you know, that you don't mess up so bad that they go out and they tell X, Y, Z, oh, so-and-so did this, so-and-so, you know, it was horrible, it was a horrible experience, horrible customer service, or he had dirty materials and gave me razor bumps. Um, so not that I haven't 
I definitely haven't given anyone any any uh, rage bumps or anything. I cleaned all my materials, again, with the best equipment available. Um, so for me, those two instances definitely have been some of the more, not crazy, but just embarrassing moments. And like I can say, it's bound to happen, especially when you're this early in your career. Uh, and honestly, I think it happens to the best of those in the industry who have been cutting hair for 10, 20 years. Um, you're bound to mess up. For me, like I said, I think it's just a bit more critical because I'm still learning. I haven't established my name and I haven't established my brand and I haven't established that complete confidence in people. So I take all that very seriously and I will continue to take it seriously, like I said, 10, 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, it's like you better, it's better that you learn it now than later and make those mistakes and, and take that, like, take that experience, like, with a, a grain of salt right now than later on. And he's like, oh, you done messed up my hair, blah, blah, blah. And people paying you hundreds of dollars just to, like, travel to them and, and cut their hair. And then you mess around and do that. So, it's it's a learning lesson. We all do certain things um, that we don't intentionally mean while we're in our our baby steps of of learning the the ropes of our career. So, oh yeah, I forgot to ask you: Have you ever cut any like females hair yet? So I I have not, and it is funny you ask because I actually have a I have a young lady. Under my um, under my leadership in my squad as an NCO and you know African American lady and a young young woman and she has you know she has this afro and I think it's just the most amazing thing um, you know because in the military we have such a stigma of hairstyles and keeping things orderly and so uh, yeah. the fact that the command from my position all the way up has allowed her to come to work and just wear the afro to me is amazing but that's not the point uh, the yeah. point is you know once you know she found out that I was doing this. She's like, oh, my God, Sergeant, can you cut my hair? And I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, not because I wanted to discriminate or anything, but like I said, one thing that I do take very serious, serious, excuse me, is the pace at which I progress and, mm-hmm. in a sense, um, just remind myself to to don't move too slow, you know, don't have a total space, but also don't bite off more than you can chew with anything yeah. that you're doing. Uh, you know, everything will come with time. Um, take it in, in manageable steps. And so, for me, not even so much that the fact that she was a female and she wanted a haircut. Um, it's just, I think, at that time, I was just like, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't know how to properly give you the look that you were looking for. Um, but I, t- I told her, I definitely told her, and I think I've kept my word is, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to incorporate that into my research, into my studies, because I've had multiple females come to me now. Um, and actually, one of my clients kind of, uh, he he has a, a young female battle buddy that he, that he spoke to after he came to me the first time, and he mm-hmm. said she would be very interested. And she actually has waves, so I think that's super dope. Uh, I'm trying to get her in here. And, you know, she'll be my first female client, and she'll be a waiver as well. And I'm really excited about that one. Just, I don't, and again, I shouldn't be, because, again, when I talk about earlier equality, you know, just treat everyone the same. But, again, for me, I, I just honestly think that's super dope. And I'm very excited, and I can't wait to, to, to work with that female and then work with other females as well. Yes, and see, between UK hair in my Instagram with all these wave tech videos, people taking off their do-rags and stuff. And on Twitter, it's just like, I cut it's, my hair. I cut it's my fresh. Hair yes, I cut my hair back in 2015 in March. My big chop anniversary is next month. And on the, 15, on the 15th, I think? Yeah, on the 15th. And I'm already, like, my hair is below my bra. And I was going to, like, try to go to tailbone length. But I really want to cut my hair off and get waves. Like, it looks so pretty. But it's just like, one, I don't think I have the head for it. Two, <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm so scared. But I'll let you do it. I'll let you do it. Hey, you know what? I would, I would, I would definitely iron. But like you said, I just, that, that has fast become 
I think one of my favorite cuts to do is those mm-hmm. people who come in with the waves, like you said, especially, you know, if they haven't got a cut in a couple of weeks or they go through a process of, of they call it wolfing, where they basically just mm-hmm. compact it on and stuff and then they finally come in for that cut and just, just how how vibrant and how deep the waves look once you cut it. And then, like I said, those those haircuts, man, like I said, I can't get enough of them. And like I said, you follow my uh, my my Instagram page. And so, like, when I'm finished, man, I, I then – and I give them with a little with your um with your light in there. You know, it's just it's amazing, right? I mean, I I probably more geek than they do about the cut, you know. Because I'm like, man, you so fresh. And then like another one, another awesome part about not even those, but in general, but especially those, you know, they'll finish a haircut and then like they'll they'll get on Facetime with with their homie or. Or with a girl, or, or, or with, or with, you know, whoever. They're like, oh my God, I love your hair. I love your haircut. You know, they be feeling themselves, and they be getting the confidence. <laughs> and, and and I just be in the background, like, that's my work. <laughs> you know, so I absolutely love it. You know, I I love it. Um, but like I said, definitely with any haircut, I I love that reaction. But those waivers, man, it's it's awesome. It is awesome, and I love that reaction that they get. Yeah. I, so I'm guessing since you got so hyped on that part, I'm guessing the the experience that you're giving the people, the fact that you're able to help them, um, well, the males so far, feel good about themselves, like boost their self-esteem and their, the way they feel about um, their personal appearance, that's where bartering brings basically a peace of mind to you by doing um, yeah, so uh, definitely, that definitely does, it is incorporated, I think, into um, how barbering brings me peace of mind. Um, and I've had this conversation, I think, with a, a few select people, but another thing that I just really kind of gravitated, or that really gravitated me towards barbering was kind of beyond, you know, some of the things we talked about as far as not chasing money or, you know, doing something that truly makes me happy. But, you know, for me, um, when I started researching things on Instagram while I was deployed, and like I said, even just with seeing my friend, um, I think it gave me a real sense of identity that I previously didn't even know that I didn't have. Um, Because for me, like I said, um, I'm currently reading a – I currently went in and I – I got a barber textbook from Amazon, and it's the book that they're using. They're currently using in barber schools uh, throughout the country. So I read the chapter, and they're dealing with the history of barbering and just how far back it goes. But I know, as far as being uh, a young black man in America, barbering has always been a staple in our community. I think, especially from the, I think from post World War II up until today. Barbering has definitely been just one of those institutions that we as black people uh, could come together and are even – it originally was just black men, but I think today it has expanded to black people. And I think, you know, back then if you're a man, it was the barbershop. If you're a woman, it was the salon. But those places and those institutes, institutions were places that we as black people could come and congregate, especially during more serious and pivotal points in our history. Uh, you know, dealing with post, like I said, the post World War II and racism, and then the civil rights, where we would come together and we would fellowship and we would share our hardships. You know, we would, or you know, it wasn't ha- even always serious. You know, we would come and we would talk about sports. You know, they would come and they would discuss things like Muhammad Ali. They would come and discuss things like you know, uh, uh, in the 80s, Mike Tyson, just where sports and politics and just culture. You know, uh, today it's expanded. Uh, music fashion just uh kind of the epicenter of discussion when it comes to everything uh black and for so for me when I finally found Barbara and I started digging through Instagram and just looking at my friends page more and more, I kinda of started seeing a bunch of those things that again really just resonated with me and kinda of helped to ignite this sense of self. And it, for me it was like, you know, it was everything that I'd ever wanted to be. It was kind of like a kid looking at a superhero. I'm like, you know, like for me, when I cut, 
Now, I feel, you know, I feel like that too, Barry, you know, like whenever I'll be cutting on a Friday evening and I'll have one cut and then somebody will just come in and two more people come in and before you know it, you know, I, I, I cut in my barracks room, I call the shop, quote unquote, I, the, the shop will be jumping, you know, uh, we'll have music playing on the TV <laughs> or whatever, or be discussing, you know, like sports or just, just whatever, right? It's just like yeah. that, that atmosphere and that feeling, um, it, to me, there there is no greater moment uh, while barbering than that. And then as well, you know, uh, another thing that brings me a peace of mind with barbering is I think the moral side of it. Um, and I say that because I was talking to someone, I was talking to my cousin the other day, and I was just explaining to him how, you know, in our profession, you know, as soldiers, at the end of the day, the bottom line is our job is to go and fight the enemy. Our job is to win the nation's war. Our job is to kill. And I don't hold too big of an issue with that, obviously, because, I mean, we know we live in a very unfortunate world where a lot of bad things happen, and there are a lot of bad people. And some people do deserve to die, uh, simply put. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, doing this has never really bought me this immense sense of satisfaction or pride or, you know, has helped to boost I, or, or my dignity or anything, you know. It's just been a job that I've done, and I've, you know, I've had no strong feelings about it. With barbering, it kind of gives me, like I said, it gives me that strong sense of, you know, I am doing something positive, and I'm doing something selfless. Obviously, it's a business, and I am making money, but it's, like I said, um, at, at the very surface, you know, I'm offering people a service to help them look good and help them feel good. And like Deion Sanders say back in, you know, uh, back then, he said, you know, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. And if you play good, they pay good. Uh, and that's kind of how I take the approach that I take when I'm cutting people's areas. You know, I do my best to help them look good so that they feel good about themselves. And then I think that has a ripple effect, however big or small, on their lives, you know, because, Something as simple, you know, someone could be having a bad day, and something as simple as, uh, you know, an hour in, in the chair and a, and a good haircut can kind of give them something to go back to wherever they go. And like, you know what, today was so and so, but you know, at least I got a nice haircut and help them feel a little bit better about themselves. And then, like I said uh, earlier, when I talked about being an NCO and the mentor side of things, as a barber. I quickly, you know, realized that I also want to use this and I have the ability to use this, especially the older I I get, to uh, become a mentor, not just to those young brothers and sisters in the black community, but, you know, to those young brothers and sisters in the veteran community. And then eventually just to whoever, you know, to where I can give, you know, my personal advice and my opinions and my experiences on things and kind of, you know, begin to work with other people in various communities and just help to give back, you know, give back, not even so, whether it be my time, where it's just, again, knowledge and experiences um, that I've learned inside the shop that I've learned as a soldier and I've just learned in life. So for me, barbering has become kind of the conduit for which I can begin as time goes on to really expand and involve myself in other things and ultimately, like I said, just continue to be that, that mentor to people young and old that I uh, that I enjoy being now. Wow, I never looked at it on that level, but it, it definitely can be done through the barbershop. The barbershop. It's, it's really, I'm, I'm really excited to see what you're going to do with this and see where Brooks the Barber is in the next five years. So what's your plan for the next five years? Uh, so my my five year plan is just to be settled into a shop. Uh, long term, I don't want to be in the shop. I want to become freelance. But like I said, to to, to start you know, when I spoke on earlier, just ensuring that I don't bite off more than I could chew, but I also don't go to total space. So next five years, I want to be established. Um, I want to stay in a place of business because I just hate to me when I say barbershop, I think it's just the 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 tent chairs on each side, and you know what I'm saying? Like, for me, uh, again, I realized that wasn't, I think, the type of setting I wanted to work in. Like I said, I would honestly prefer to work in a salon setting, um, somewhere that will allow me to utilize all the tools that I've been given and to service clients uh, how I want to service them. Like I said, given more than haircuts, you know, given the facials, given the scrubs, 
given the hot towels, given the, the razor shaves, and just uh, allow me to be who I am as a professional and then allow me uh, that freedom of expression as an individual from something as simple as, you know, what I wear when I come into work. Um, so for me, that's the, that's the goal here in the next five years is to find that shop that really resonates with me from a professional and a personal standpoint and then just to continue to grow there until I'm confident and ready to leave the shop and begin doing freelance work. Okay, okay. So what is some advice um, besides what you've already said um, earlier in this episode? Um, what some advice would you, like, that you would give another service member who's active duty or rather they're active duty or National Guard or, or Reserve or anything um, who is hesitant about starting a new career or a secondary career? Um, I would tell them regret is a hell of a drug, and it really is. Um, regret is one of the worst feelings in the world, and it's something that we all feel no matter how significant or minuscule the situation, no matter how young or old we are. We have all felt regret, and it's not a good feeling. Um, so I would tell those individuals, I'll tell those young or old service members even, um, number one, the Army doesn't last forever. Whether you do a four-year contract, whether you do a six-year contract like I did, whether you do 10 years, whether you do 20, whether you even do 30, um, one day the Army comes to an end and life goes on. And so I think it's very important for us as people to invest time into figuring out who we are and what we're passionate about and what truly makes us happy beyond the dollar, unless the dollar is what makes you happy. Um, and then, like I said, just we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so for me, I tell people, you know, I'm not a full-fledged barber yet, but, you know, Lord forbid I were to die, you know, tomorrow. Uh, I could die knowing that I was on the path to follow my dreams, and I could die telling myself, hey, man, you died being a barber. You know, you may not have been uh, a licensed or fully, you know what I'm saying, accredited or whatever, but, you know, you practiced and you actually – you actively took the steps, you bought the equipment, you started cutting your hair, you started making an impact, and you followed your dreams. And so for me, I think that would be the biggest advice is just uh, don't let those feelings of doubt, those feelings of hesitation, um, the comforts of security pull you into such a place to where you don't take any risk in life and just even attempt to do something that truly makes you happy. Because, again, I would rather everyone try what makes them happy or what they're passionate about and put in an honest effort and fail miserably to, than to not have ever tried at all. Yeah, I know, like, with life coaching, it's not something that I expected to be doing, um, and I haven't taken it on full-time just yet. So it's like I'm still, like, getting over the humps and the bumps of everything, but and I and I did start out doing life coaching without charging anything for my services, and I was okay with that. And it was like nothing else better to do in the world than to be like doing what I wanted to do, and that was life coaching. Um, so it's definitely I can attest to that. If I wouldn't have like started life coaching, we wouldn't even be having this conversation on this podcast. <laughs> So it it definitely helps to sit back and just do what you, like, live your best life for real. Because if you don't, then later on down the line, you're going to regret it. And it's going to eat you up inside because you only can do stuff but like, for so long. You can't start to do it when you're, you're way older um, because you might not have the resources or, um, you might not be able to appeal to the people that, that you would have in the past. So that's it's just crazy. Um, so is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we get to know your social media handles? Uh, I don't think there's too much more else. Like I said, uh, I definitely do appreciate you bringing me on the podcast. Um, like you said, before we get to those, I definitely hope that I was able to inspire at least one listener to kind of 
break the mold and the monotony of their life if it's something that you're not completely satisfied with and just take an honest chance. You know, you may not be in the same position that I'm in, but regardless, whatever position you're in, if there's a chance for you to give yourself an outlet towards success and towards happiness, then like I said, I strongly recommend just taking it. And if you fail, then you'll have, again, you'll have that peace of mind knowing that at least you tried. Yes. So we're going to have you drop your social media handles and let the listeners, the peacemakers, know where they can find you at. Okay, so uh, my main conduit, at least professionally, is Instagram. So I have my business page is at underscore Bricks the Barber underscore. And she will have it laid out in the uh, comment in the description section. But that is underscore B R O O K S T H E B A R B E R underscore. Uh, my personal Instagram handle, uh, if you just want to say hello or be, or be nosy and see what else is going on in my life, um, is at Justin M. Ellis Brooks, and that is J-U-S-T-I-N, the letter M as in Michael, B, uh, excuse me, E as in Echo, L-L-I-S-B-R-O-O-K-S. So, again, my personal handle is at Justin M. Ellis Brooks. I have a Facebook page that I currently have connected to my business Instagram page. Facebook page is just Brooks the Barber. Um, go and search that. Pretty much any a majority of the content that I post on my Instagram business page, I also share it directly to the Facebook page so that those who may not frequent or have an Instagram can also stay up to date on uh, whatever content I post on Instagram. All right. So hopefully, you never know with my listeners, you might get some people traveling to see you. <laughs> I, I definitely Hey, if they travel out here and look, they, they definitely deserve the you best part of experience. You might get some, some people who want you to travel to them. So you never Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Be nice to him and definitely show him some love. This is not going to be his first time on the podcast, and we're definitely going to keep up with his journey. So we're going to catch you next time, Peacemakers. All right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, do you know a service member who has a business and they might be active duty, reserve, or National Guard, um, and you think their story should be heard on Peace of Mind, definitely hit us up via email at yourpeaceofmind2016 at gmail.com and we'll feature them. Be sure to cut that notification bell on so that you will get notified every time, whether you're listening on Anchor, Spotify, um, iTunes, or any place. Just go ahead and make sure notifications are on so you can be told when I am dropping a new episode. Um, And definitely like our um, podcast and let us know what is going on with you, what you want us to talk about, and we'll keep you informed um, via push notifications on your app. Definitely check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and email us if you need to um, at your peace of mind 2016 at gmail.com all can be found in the show notes of all of our shows um our podcasts and we'll be able to hit you up and we can chat peacemakers <laughs>